Hello and welcome to this November edition of Web 3.0 Technologies podcast. This edition features the metaverse, which is of extreme interest to all companies, uh, definitely to all the verticals that Capgemini operates and services. This is Shankar Krishnan, head of digital assets at Capgemini. Today's episode features an illustrious speaker, Ronit Goes, a career city banker for over 25 years, a metaverse blogger, YouTuber, futurist, and innovator. Ronit is also an advisory board member at the Center for Financial Technology, part of the Imperial College London, and an innovation panelist at DIFC in Dubai. Welcome, Ronit, to Capgemini's Web 3.0 podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. And Ronit, I know you make these speeches around the world. Where are you today? I am in Dubai today. Fantastic, fantastic. And it's uh, amazing to see the role that Dubai is playing in kind of moving the metaverse forward and uh, good to see you involved in all of that. So let us get started, uh, Ronit. Uh, There are several definitions of the metaverse that has evolved. Obviously, it all started with uh, Zuckerberg and I know Facebook is going through its own reinvention these days. But what does the metaverse mean to you and what do you think some of the early adopters in the space are doing? Sure. The metaverse is a shared virtual space. Think about it as the next generation of the internet. Like we've spent the past decade plus largely accessing the internet through mobile devices, you are, in the next few years, going to see some kind of transition to the current mobile 2D, two-dimensional internet that'll be supplemented by a 3D internet, which we'll access through AR or VR or other devices. Initially, it'll be a supplement, not a replacement. Perfect, perfect. And that's a very interesting uh, approach to it. And I know, Ronit, you were involved in the city production of what the metaverse is and a lot of research behind it. Uh, it's a must uh, read for all our listeners. What are some of the key things that stood out to you as that research was completed? So when we when we explored the topic of the metaverse, there was a lot of lot of different things that jumped out at us. First of all, the definition of the metaverse, which I just gave you, so three D internet, potentially a new way to access the internet, immersive, persistent. This is this is a definition that's broadly accepted, but then on the edges. There's a big debate. Some people will say, oh, the metaverse is just a VR thing. Others will say it's device agnostic, it's multi-device. And in the middle, you get this, this space for disagreement. Some people who say that the metaverse is never going to take off really are thinking about a VR-only world. And that has some logic to it because a VR-only world is, is difficult to imagine that we'll spend that much time in a VR-only world. But I, I prefer this definition of the metaverse that is device agnostic. So the first thing that came out of the work we did was just trying to agree a shared common understanding of what it is we're talking about. Right, right. That's that's very useful. And obviously, you, you are a veteran banker yourself. What are the some of the best practices you're seeing in financial services? Because oftentimes, uh, obviously, we have a very nice metaverse lab on it. And while we are seeing some 
action in the financial services space. There is a lot more action in the industrial space and what enterprise metaverse, as they call it, rather than the consumer metaverse. So what are some of the best practices you are seeing in the financial services space around the world, Ron? You're right to say that this is first and foremost a consumer and to some extent initially a gaming-driven phenomenon. And then from that early focus on gaming or consumer, i.e. branded goods, luxury goods, social, you're going to see more of a broadening out into enterprise and general uh, interaction. Now, for us as a bank or any other, you know, ABC bank, how I would think about the metaverse is not that we are here to build it. The metaverse is going to be built in terms of hardware and access devices by the existing big tech companies on the west coast of the U.S. or the east coast of Asia. Then there'll be content that will be on the metaverse. And this will again come from content creators, be it gamers, uh, movie studios, music, and you know, next generation, just as you see with TikTok, next generation uh, content creators. To some extent, financial services and banking could be seen as part of that content, will be part of the content of the metaverse. But in other ways, the metaverse will be simply a way of doing business. Just like today, without even thinking, we use smartphones um, uh, integral to how we do business, right? We call people on the phone, we search for information, we look at apps, we use apps for transactions. We will be doing something similar in an AR, VR, 3D world. Communication with our clients, communication internally with our colleagues, hiring potential staff, hiring or recruiting new clients and prospects. All of this will take place in the metaverse. We'll be working in the metaverse, but not solely in the metaverse. It's not that we're going to be sitting in this third dimension, uh, third space, uh, eight hours, 12 hours a day. This will supplement or complement um, existing in physical real world interactions um, or other 2D inter internet interactions. I will see this as a complement. And in some cases of significant you know, deepening of uh, particular activities. Exciting, very exciting. And, and now that, you know, there's all these rumors of a recession happening and Europe is going to, mm. economy is going to be bad and so on. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Because right now there is a big uh, mm. force and then everybody is embracing it. Do you, do you think like when the dot-com happened, obviously the dot-com company's valuation mm. uh, was very different and then eventually everybody became a dot-com. Yeah. Do you think some of that is happening and going to happen in the metaverse? And is it going to be a new revenue opportunity for companies? So for sure, the economic cycle in many parts of the world is challenging, uh, to put it mildly. Um, but we're in this interesting stage where a lot of the decision makers in mm -hmm. companies, uh, be it consumer-facing companies, enterprise-focused companies, big technology platforms, many of those leaders and key decision makers lived through the growth of Web 2 and the transition from Web 1 to Web 2 between the 1990s and 2000s. Um, many people remember how incumbents were slow to embrace uh, what's called Web 2 or even the smartphone uh, 
as a sort of next generation computing device. And many of those decision makers in key positions today were either young and junior in their companies at the time or just setting up their uh, businesses or at college. And they would experience it firsthand, the dangers of being left behind. Uh, right. You can see this in financial services. A lot of, um, lot of uh, incumbent banks and FIs and even card companies were slow to embrace e-commerce as e-commerce first grew. Um, e-commerce was seen as something, you know, who would shop online, right? That was the common refrain 20-odd right. years ago. Right. And then because those incumbents were slow, um, they allowed space to open up in which new players, you know, be it BNPL uh, in Sweden, uh, new players jumped in and basically took on market share that, that the incumbents seeded. And so there's that, there's that history behind uh, the fear of, you know, missing the mobile revolution, missing the Web 2 revolution, there's a bit of FOMO uh, in some companies. Right. There's also a second aspect, which is the whole open metaverse, i.e. a blockchain-based metaverse. Mm -hmm. Now, this we believe will be a minority or a smaller part of the metaverse for the first few years, but the open metaverse could well be a really good use case or a solution, uh, you know, a solution or, a, mm -hmm. a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a use case for, blockchain technology, the ability of, you know, digitally, you know, digital, digital native ownership that the, that the blockchain allows. Uh, that, so there's this, there's this kind of technology push as well, as well as a kind of FOMO uh, push. Um, so I think that's going to drive it, despite the, um, the slowdown that we're seeing in, in the broader economy. Just like, you know, people missed e-commerce. Do you want to miss right. experiential commerce? Because metaverse is ultimately experiential commerce, right? You want to miss exactly, them. exactly, and absolutely, Ronit. We are seeing this on a daily basis. The uh, newer use cases that are coming for uh, blockchain and DeFi, and obviously, we saw JP Morgan push through uh, transactions on a public blockchain. So, I mean, and you talk about the open metaverse. I think uh, that is excellent. One, one, one question I had there was, I mean, as the open metaverse develops, how do you think people will pay and collect and so on inside? Would it be like NFT, social dollars, crypto, CBDC type, or would it be something new that will come about? What are your thoughts there? I think overall the metaverse is going to be initially very much a centralized, uh, or for want of a better word, closed metaverse. Mm -hmm. Now, clearly the big technology platforms in America or in Asia are very aware of the policy challenges and implications that will present. Mm -hmm. So they will be looking to promote, um, and hopefully it won't just be talk, but they'll be looking to promote uh, through action as well as talk, the, uh, an interoperable or open or somewhat open metaverse. But initially we'll be accessing the metaverse through our existing devices. So mm -hmm. If you have a smartphone, you'll be doing it through your smartphone in combination probably with some kind of AR device and the earpiece to create that immersive experience. Now, that device already usually has a payment function built in, a wallet, right. whether right. it's Apple or Google or whoever it happens to be. Uh, so the Chinese were equivalent. So there's a, there's a digital wallet. Now, right. when I'm accessing the so-called metaverse via my device, I'll be logging on via those credentials. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, if I have a digital wallet on my phone, I could use that uh, as a starting point. Uh, for my payments in the metaverse. 
Um, now, as the open metaverse grows, particularly in gaming or in microtransactions and social, what you will start seeing is the use of tokens. Now, tokens already exist as a payment tool, um, but they are usually closed systems, right? Closed loop systems, like you know, on games that typically our kids play. Now, over time, you're going to see interoperable or open uh, systems, uh, tokens that are in, you know that can move between. Uh, so it could be CBDCs in some countries, central bank digital currencies. In other countries, it could be stable coins or yeah. sort of bank uh, bank deposit linked tokens. So I think you're going to see a whole variety of flavors um, mm-hmm. over the years. Just like you know, in many airports, you can pay in multiple currencies. Um, it'll be the same, uh, I think, when it comes to the the metaverse over time. Yeah, and and uh, and one of the interesting things, and you meet with a lot of uh, C-suite executives, uh, Ronit, and uh, when you explain the metaverse to them, and when they ask you, "Hey, I, I get the metaverse. How should I have a strategy for the metaverse? What do you tell them? How should they go about it?" It's not so much a strategy in a vacuum. It's more of a what is what is my core business? What do I do, mm-hmm. and how does that change as you move into 3D or immersive experiences. Can I do more? Um, so if you're a luxury company, it doesn't have to be a luxury uh, goods company, but anything, a luxury experience. If you're a high-end airline, for example, you know, there are a few in the Middle East, um, yeah. and you're selling an experience or an mm-hmm. upscale hotel chain or, um, or a, you know, a, a branded goods company where you're selling expensive handbags or clothes or cars. Mm-hmm. You're selling you're selling an experience. Well, right. it makes complete sense to provide some 3D visual complement to it, right? So before I get on the plane, before I sit in my business class cabin or my first class cabin or my uh, hotel suite or my, you know, I buy the um, expensive handbag, whatever it is I'm doing, maybe I get to see, you know, maybe maybe that experience starts before the physical aspect mm. of it. It starts in the so-called metaverse. Uh, maybe it has a digital twin in the metaverse. As in, I'm, what I mean, I'm using this uh, handbag or, you know, a racing car in the physical world. I also have it in the virtual world. Or after my holiday or after my flight, I, I can continue the experience. So, I think, so you've got to think about what is what is it you're selling? What is it, you know, what is the problem? What is a job to be done that you're doing? What is the problem you're solving? And why do users use you, right? Now, right. you know, some things might be very serious and you could say not to do with, you know, frippery and luxury goods. Or it could be, um, you know, it could be a hospital operation. Well, how does them you, know, you could say if I'm a medical services, you know, I'm a hospital chain or a medical uh, services provider or a government department of healthcare. Um, I'm going to think, you know, how can this help me? Um, mm-hmm. This could help collapse distance. I could provide more complicated medical services at distance, just like telemedicine, but take telemedicine to the next level. Mm-hmm. Or I could, in on the physical site, I could maybe have better 3D modeling before I do the operation or while I'm doing the operation or while I'm doing the diagnosis. So all, all kinds of uh, areas of daily life 
medicine, hospitals, education, luxury, um, the experience economy. If you're in those spaces, the question you could ask yourself is, what is it I'm, you know, what is it I'm helping the user do? And then how does this fit into, no, oh, I need a metaverse strategy because, you know what, I heard, I heard Ronit and Shankar discussing this on a podcast or whatever, or my head of marketing went to a conference in Dubai or wherever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, this is this is great, uh, Ronit. I think uh, all our listeners will find this uh, uh, very uh, interesting and very practical insights. Before I let you go, are there anything else you wish to uh, share with our listeners on uh, what you have seen recently? And uh, in the last one year, do you see this uh, gaining momentum? And w- what are your thoughts for the new year? Yeah, so I think a couple of thoughts I'd throw out there. One is the divergence between some of the media uh, and public discussion around the metaverse where we probably, you know, the hype cycle, uh, be it Gartner or others have come up with these ideas for a while now. We are definitely in the down phase of the hype cycle uh, in many senses. And it comes to the general world. Um, We have the bubble of excitement last year when it comes to the metaverse or digital assets or crypto, whatever. And now we're in that kind of trough of disillusionment. And I find it super interesting, this gap, the spread between what corporates I talk to, particularly consumer-facing, but not only. Corporates are busy experimenting, trialing, building. And they are much more engaged, I find, than a year ago. Be it in the metaverse, uh, be it with the idea of digital assets, be it with the idea of the, you know, the token economy, this is, still, this is not mainstream. These are often proof of concepts or early stages, but they're very engaged, I find. But meanwhile, the general, if you just picked up a newspaper or looked at it online, you think, particularly looking at the share price of one or two technology companies, think, oh, this was this is all done and dusted. This is a hype thing for last year. So that, that, I, that I find is the, sort of the biggest spread. And as we go into 2023, 2024, I'm looking forward to seeing new devices come out that allow us to access the metaverse, experience, um, you know, experience life, uh, leisure, education, other areas uh, such as healthcare in different ways and hopefully better ways. There's obviously a dystopian uh, negative um, angle to all of this, which people rightly worry about. Are we going to be, you know, are we going to be in some kind of, controlled environment where one mega corporation, private sector or government controls everything. So there's going to be very careful uh, focus, uh, attention paid to privacy rules and, you know, data collection and data retention. Because if we were worried about our privacy and uh, our uh, sort of like our identities and our independence online in the world we've had today so far in the last 10 years, this is going to go to the nth degree. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's very possible to paint a very dystopian picture of the future when it comes to whether it's the metaverse or an all-knowing, all-seeing digital world, a panopticon kind of world. So there's going to be a very robust uh, discussion uh, and legislation around um, our rights, our liberties, uh, not, just, not just as consumers, as citizens. Um, so it's, it's, you know, I think the policy world and the, regulatory world i know we engage with them myself and my team and they're very much looking at this because um just like it's like any technology um you get the positives the promise of something really exciting and positive 
but you've also got the risk of uh, you know potentially very negative outcomes that we need to manage thank you ronit once again for uh, sharing part of your day with us uh, i found this extremely fascinating to i'm sure our listeners will as well to all our listeners around the world if you have found this podcast informative please subscribe to our banking payments and wealth spotlight podcast on spotify apple google podcasts or any other podcast apps if you are interested in listening to more capgemini financial services podcasts please subscribe to our insurance insights channel this podcast has been brought to you by capgemini financial services thank you all for listening